0: All right. Welcome back to the Charlie Tuna Show, presented by Ameren, Illinois, on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. All right, welcome back to the Charlie Tuna Show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Suntrup BMW of West St. Louis we we'll going to go to my guest line now. Young man, and by the way, too, we want to remind you that the L.A. Clipper, L.A. Laker basketball game tomorrow night has been canceled, mm-hmm. reset because of the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the seven other folks on the uh, helicopter. We're we'll going to go to my guest line now. I met this young man. I say young. He's still young. Younger than me. Years ago, we did a venture for Kangaroo Shoes, award-winning Reporter, announcer, entertainer, impressionist, Roy Firestone. How you doing, Roy?
1: I'm great, Charlie. Let me tell you something. Uh, I love doing that, and I remember it well. I think <laughs> we had Walter Payton, who was a big ruse, uh endorser right. I guess it was, mm-hmm. back then. And it was a great night, and I remember that so well. I remember you, and thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I heard you today with Frank, and I said, wait a minute. Because I had had your number stored in uh, some sort of way. You know how you lose phone numbers. I said, let me call Roy up, and I said, I hope you remember me. You remember me right away, didn't you?
1: Of course I did, and that was a great event. Hey, by the way, I wanted to say something at the top here. Sure. I think the postponement or the cancellation of the game tomorrow night is exactly the opposite. That's yeah. right. That I think Kobe, Kobe Bryant was about. I mean, he was all about the game, to play it, to compete in it, to enjoy it. I think it was defined by Kobe Bryant's alive, and I think it, 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 as we lost Kobe Bryant, I think it's still a statement you make. I think he would have been disappointed that play was uh, postponed or t- suspended. I think it would have been a spectacular love show of love and respect and memory to play the game in his memory and that to listen. When when John F. Kennedy was killed, the NFL, right or wrong, whatever you think of it. They did not cancel the games when the president of the United States was assassinated. Now, I happen to think that in those days, maybe that would have been a gesture that they probably shouldn't have played the games. But in this case, this is a guy who lived to play. And uh, the the argument when Kennedy was killed was John F. Kennedy would have wanted the games to go on. So I I really think this is a mistake by the league. And by the way, none of the other teams postponed their or canceled their games, just the L.A. teams. I I don't think that's right. I just don't.
0: By the way, uh, Roy, Tom, and Pam are also here in the studio.
1: Roy, tell let's oh, take hi us guys. <laughs> hi. T- take
0: us from the beginning. How did your relationship start with Kobe?
1: Well, I, I met Kobe uh, in 1996. He was 18 years old. He, of course, was drafted. It was a flip trade between the Lakers and, I believe, um, Charlotte, Charlotte, if I'm um, not mistaken. Charlotte, yes. 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 And um, he came to, to do this first interview with me, um, John Black, who was the— Press guy said you get the first interview, and I was very honored because he was really a coveted interview is this young man. I thought he was going to be you know an eighteen year old kid. How, how worldly could he be? Well, I was completely blown away by how worldly he was. First of all, we go to sit down and do the interview, and at the time we're doing this interview, there's a big rainstorm, lightning hits the building, and our light kit for the interview all the whole light setup blew out because of a, a an outage. So I told Kobe, I said, Kobe, listen, would you like to come back and do this? Uh, it's about two hours. We'll get the lights back. He goes, no, I'm not coming back in two hours. I thought he was saying it to be rude or, you know, didn't want to do it. The opposite was true. He stayed with us. He says, I'm staying here. So for the next two and a half hours, Kobe and I talked about Italy and food and Western civilization and books he had read. And of course the basketball game, the sport of basketball that he was about to enter in, um, so he did this entire interview after waiting two and a half hours in a driving rainstorm, and that was my first introduction. I think I did about six full interviews with Kobe. And later in the year, or later in the season, I should say, uh, obviously in May or June, the Western Conference finals were taking place. The Lakers playing the Utah Jazz, and they're in the final game, the, the most important game, the pivotal game. And he has a terrible, terrible game. He had five air balls, including one in crunch time that could have given them the win. Um, he gets on the plane, and instead of moping around and being sad, as soon as that plane lands, he gets off the plane, goes to Pali High School, P- Palisades High School, which is near near the where the Lakers facility is. And from midnight to 5 a.m. by himself, he shot jump shots. And, I mean, if that doesn't tell you what kind of a young man, he was 18 years old at the time, um, at the time, he was the youngest player ever drafted uh, in the NBA. It's been since changed uh, by Andrew Bynum, I think, was one of them. But anyway, uh, that's that was my first introduction to Kobe. And there, there's so many great stories I'd like to tell, but go let's, ahead, let's yeah, have a conversation. Roy, Roy go ahead. That's tell, what I want to talk about.
0: Tell, a, tell the ahead. stories. We want, you to, we want to hear the stories. But...
1: Well, a couple more. Um, one time, Rick Fox, who was a, I think he was a guard forward uh, on the Lakers – I played mostly forward, uh, and Kobe were getting into an argument. I asked what it was about. And I found out that Kobe was angry at Rick Fox for having a beer, a beer, the night before a game. Not the day of, the night before the game. And Rick Fox was angry, and I found out why. Because it was an exhibition game that Kobe wanted to prohibited beer. Can you imagine <laughs> that awesome. level of intensity? <laughs> exhibition game. Um, He wasn't a guy who hung out with a lot of his his teammates. Uh, One time Shaq uh, had a party for the entire team, and Kobe was the last to arrive, sat at a separate table with his headphones on, reading a a basketball book. Um, He wasn't a social guy. He wasn't a guy who was glad-handing a lot of his friends and uh, teammates even. He wasn't a a touchy-feely guy as a player. Now, of course, he would change once he, you know, late in his career or once, once he retired, he was very much a man who connected with people. But he wasn't a guy who, who, who liked to hang with anybody. He was a loner. He always was a loner. Now, I tell one funny story. It's kind of light now, and I hope it's respectful, but it's, it is kind of funny. I once had Shaq and Kobe together, and everyone knows that Shaq and Kobe didn't get along. So I said to Shaq, I said, tell me, Shaquille, what's the difference between your personality and Kobe's with Kobe right there? Shaq goes, well, there's a big difference. He said, Kobe is a loner, but me, I'm a socialist. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was one of the funniest <laughs> lines. And, you know, Shaq and Kobe didn't get along for many, many years, but ended up being super close, like family. And on the day, the day he, he was killed, Kobe Bryant texted uh, Sharif o- O'Neal, Sha- Shaquille's son, and, you know, I asked him how everything was going because he was just transferring out of UCLA. And it showed the level of, of love and affection he had, even for Shaq's family. So uh, there's so many things that that really touched me about, about you know, the whole experience with being around Kobe. There's Some other things, too. It's like I did a show one time in, um, let's see, where was it? It was uh, Memphis. And I was doing a shoot there with Kobe. And it was supposed to be for 8 o'clock at night. And we're set up and ready to go, and everyone's all ready to go. It's 8 o'clock, eight thirty, 9.30, and we're getting angry because we think Kobe's standing us up. He he wasn't standing us up. At 10 o'clock, two hours after the shoot was supposed, he wasn't out running around having a drink or looking for women. He was shooting foul shots at the, uh, the Pyramid Arena where the Grizzlies played by himself on a Friday night where everybody else was out partying, doing whatever they want. That tells you all you need to know about Kobe Bryant. He was all business. The other story, of course, pretty well said and pretty well represented by LeBron was when he was a kid, LeBron was a kid, he and his friend Maverick Carter drove to Philadelphia just to hope in the hope of meeting Kobe Bryant, because LeBron idolized Kobe. Not only did he meet him, Kobe gave him his game worn shoes. And even though the shoes were too small, they were too small, (laughs) LeBron wore those shoes the next night and then Saturday night when LeBron passed Kobe on third in the all-time scoring list, he wrote on his shoes, Mamba for life, 824 KB in gold marker before the game. That showed a lot of respect for the 18-time All-Star. But the so ironic and tragic is that less than 24 hours later, he was gone. It's just one of the most poignant and harrowing and saddest experiences I could ever remember covering, either here in Los Angeles or nationally for ESPN. Nothing even comes close to it. Maybe, maybe 50, almost 50 years ago when Roberto Clemente was killed doing a humanitarian uh, run for Nicaraguan earthquake relief, and he was killed in a plane crash. But there's so many, many many stories that I I think about Kobe, and, and I always enjoyed how he just was such a great interview thoughtful and reflective and smart. Uh, you know, he was a trash talker, but he was also the game-turner. He, he was always the winner on the court. And I just I just look back, and I, I I was so blessed and so lucky to be around that player in that time, and uh, we'll miss him terribly.
0: My guest tonight, the one and only Roy Firestone, before I let you speak, Tom, uh, today uh, Jalen Rose said tonight that he scored 81 <laughs> points. Jalen yeah. Rose was guarding him. Jalen Wurrow said at not one particular time did Kobe Bryant trash talk him. That's the kind of guy he was, wasn't it?
1: Well, he could trash talk, though, when when, when the time was right. But I'll tell you this. In that game, and that was uh, 2006, the box score from that game, when Jalen would remember that, it reads like a video game. Listen to this. He made 28 out of 46 shots, added another 18 free throws, and that was just in 42 minutes, scored 27 points, In the third quarter alone, 28 points in the final period with two assists. But here's something that's even better. It's not as well-known, but he had a 62-point game against the Mavericks in 2005. And uh, that, in some ways, more impressive. And here's why. Because Bryant scored 62 points on 31 shots in 32 minutes of that game. In fact, the Lakers were so far ahead of Dallas, that Kobe sat on the bench for the entire fourth quarter. He scored more points at that point than the entire Dallas Mavericks team, which had 61 points at the end of the third quarter. Not bad. Unbelievable. Roy, when people think about Kobe Bryant, everybody's going to think about Kobe on the floor, on the basketball floor. Mm Mm-hmm but he was so much more than that he was fluent in Italian he spoke mm-hmm. spoke fluent Italian he was a a, a wonderful uh, ambassador for uh, not only mm-hmm. the game but now he was into film he was into music mm-hmm. he had a lot sure. more going on uh for 41 years old and in the future didn't he oh it, it, it the, the sad well the tragedy is so many places i mean it's not just one thing i mean you lose children you know young people his own daughter another couple of children on the flight on the on the helicopter flight um you lose young adults you adult families um it's devastating to look at it but i mean in terms of kobe what we lost with him was a guy who was going to be an entrepreneur he was very very in fact he was flying with that with that group mm. to a mamba academy game he set up a cat academy uh, for sports and he basketball was at the centerpiece of it but there were other things he was involved with WNBA and women's soccer he loved soccer i think he could have owned a soccer team i think he would have owned or at least been part owner of an NBA team not unlike Michael Jordan who really was the man he most tried to pattern his career after in many ways Kobe in some in some respects was the entrepreneur and the the guy who most defined of outside-the-game interests. But once he was playing like Jordan, he was laser-focused. He had nothing else to focus on except for the game. But you're right. I mean, he, made, he won an Academy Award for a movie. He wanted to be in hip-hop music. He, I think he would have been maybe the closest thing to, say, a Jay-Z uh, for, for the NBA. And, and you're seeing it a little bit with LeBron. But, I mean, at this point, the loss is incalculable. But more than anything else, it's the loss of all those people's families. You know, we sit and grieve and we think about this as uh, as one of the saddest moments in sports. But, you know, our sadness will eventually fade somewhat. It'll always be there somewhat. But these people, these families will have this loss for the rest of their lives every single day. Three girls, Kobe Bryant's daughters, will grow up without their father. I mean, let's remember that. Let's remember the families, uh, the family of uh, the Alta family, the baseball coach, who, whose family was shattered. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you have to keep it all in perspective. And I'll tell you something. Uh, at the end of this, if you want to save about 90 seconds, I'd like to just say one last thing about mortality and our view of life. But uh, we can continue the rest of the interview. But at the end, I'd like to just give some last thoughts about that.
0: The outpouring of... Uh... Roy, my guest tonight, of course, is Roy Fry, the great Roy Firestone. The outpouring of affection, I thought I saw it with Ollie. This was even greater than Ollie, and I'm not trying to compare the stars. Of course, not at all. Even today at the impeachment hearing, the chaplain led off this morning
1: Mm -hmm. talking
0: about Kobe and Gigi. Isn't that something?
1: Yeah, it really is. It it says a lot. I mean, I don't know that we have to compare it. You know, the greatness of a Clemente or a Muhammad Ali or any of those kind of people. Uh, he was singularly uh, unique, though Kobe was, because as he he came into this game at, at 18 years old he, and he left as an adult. Uh, you know, fully. You know, one of the most respected players I think in the history. He won two gold medals. He was to me the personification of. And not just the game, guys. Not just the game. The personification of what it takes to be excellent in something. Dedicate yourself. Uh, Become so obsessed with every aspect of the game, the details. I remember him looking at photographs, still photographs, of him guarding Michael Jordan and and making an adjustment to himself, saying, I'm too close in on this, this picture. I need to pull back. Everything he did, he ate, drank, slept, basketball, and, of course, the name of his short that won the Academy Award was called Dear Basketball. He, he loved the game, and the expression that he used every day was, if you love the game, the game will love you back. And it did.
0: Roy, just a tremendous, tremendous family man at the time. when I remember back, in the, back when the black father was not prevalent in the home, Kobe made sure. That he was with his family and his daughters, and probably one of the reasons right. why he wrote the helicopter.
1: Oh, there's no question about it. He wanted to. Mm-hmm. He wanted to save time, so he, he wanted to actually uh, have more time for his kids, uh, you know, assemblies and class things, and of course for sports, soccer matches, whatever they would be. So he would fly, and he would fly all the time. It would be nothing to see a helicopter on top of the Staples Center. At 3 o'clock because Kobe was there for the game. He would fly that because he lived in, in Orange County, which is a good in traffic, almost two hours. So instead of being in a, in a car for two hours, he would fly in on that helicopter. He would fly into practices. And of course, yesterday, uh, tragically, he was trying to fly into his daughter's basketball game. There's another point I want to make, too, and that is is, can't gloss over obviously the controversy in his life. He wasn't a saint. We're not canonizing him. He made uh, errors in judgment, and, and he, of course he it was the sexual assault allegation, which by the way was never adjudicated and it was settled out of court. But here's the point I want to make, not to bring that back necessarily for that reason. I'm also bringing it up to show how he changed as a man. You know, we're, we've seen Tiger Woods get up there and do a read a, a, pre, a written statement about how he's sorry and he ruined people's lives or whatever. That's fine, but Kobe Bryant didn't just say stuff he did it. He lived his life as a better father, a great husband, and he raised the, the three of those four. One is a total infant, but three of those four children knew their father, and they knew the father was always in their corner, and he loved his wife, Vanessa, dearly. So yes, he made the mistake, and uh, you know we remember that part of his life, and it, it, it's a sordid part of his career, but we also have to remember, too, how he changed and how he became better. In fact, I remember Spike Lee doing an interview with him. I think it was Spike Lee. And Kobe felt that he caused Vanessa's miscarriage, mm-hmm. one of her miscarriages, because of his behavior. And I think it always – he always looked at his life as imperfect, but he was going to try to make it right. And, and I think it's a very, very important point to make.
0: Roy, only a few more questions. Time you have another question. No, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Roy – uh, we want to thank you, but I want to hear what you had to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you had something to tell us.
1: Yeah, this is, let's take that 90 seconds. Take, I wrote this take your time.
0: Day. Take your time.
1: Okay. Uh, every day, every single day, be grateful for your time on the earth because so many lives are cut too short. Our lives are just fragile, and our uh, mortality is upon us every day. It could be an accident. It could be a bad CAT scan. It could be an unfortunate biopsy. Now, Kobe Bryant represented many things to millions of people. Some adored him, and, yes, some people did despise him, mostly opposing teams and (laughs) the fans from opposing teams. But they knew him as an athlete. They didn't know him as a man, not really. Like all of us, he was mortal, just flesh and blood. Now, there will be hundreds, maybe thousands of hours devoted to this man in the next days and months. He was a brilliant basketball player, one of the greatest, most ferocious competitors the game has ever known. But this, quote, immortal player, immortal player, Was just mortal, after all, as we all are. And his tragic death should remind us all that our lives are not guaranteed to us, not riches, not acclaim, not celebrity can protect us from our fate. And so I say this more than ever, not just because Kobe's passing, but we really need to reflect. We need to remind ourselves that we all have a ticking clock and an expiration date, and our lives are meaningless unless we love and respect one another as mortal beings while we are on this earth and that life as beautiful as it is and how it must be viewed can also be cruel and unforgiving and deeply painful. So we mourn this devastating loss to the sports community and we should, but remember first Kobe's family and the loved ones who saw him as more than an icon, but a father, a husband, a friend to those who knew him and the other families who are grieving too. Their loss is incalculable how fragile life is, how fragile we all are. So be kind to one another because our clocks are all ticking. It's a 24-second clock, metaphorically. Nothing is owed to us. We will miss you greatly, Kobe Bryant.
0: Roy Frystone, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. That was unbelievable. Well said.
1: My pleasure. Very well and said. Let's all keep, keep him in our thoughts and keep all those terrible family grieving uh, in our thoughts, too. Remember, it wasn't just Kobe and, and Gigi, but it was other people, too, and it's great tragedy. So we remember all of them and our hearts go out to them.
0: Roy, thanks again for coming on and thanks for remembering me as well. And we'll uh, do you the- got
1: it. Anytime, Charlie, anytime you know that. And thanks, guys, for having me on. Thanks again.
0: We'll mm-hmm. do it in more happier times. Thanks, Roy.
1: You got it. About it. All right,
0: Roy Firestone.